Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone. Hello. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. We're here live to do a Q&A about the hard stuff. The big mm-hmm. feelings and challenging behaviors our sensitive and spirited kids throw our way on the daily. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us. We're excited to be here to talk about ways we can be using powers beyond control in our discipline. Any moment that we really are just like, this can't be Fuck. happening. Oh, I'm just going to dive into my control toolbox. Consequences on my terms now. Threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, shame, blame, spanking, timeout. All the things. That come so easily, so naturally to yeah. us, right? We don't need to use them. Turns out we don't. That's uh, what I think of these, these live Q&As are so much about. It's just giving you and ourselves permission in these conversations to choose those powers beyond control, to show up in a different way uh, with our kids that aligns a little bit better, a little bit more closely to our values mm-hmm. as progressive people. Yeah. Right? All of that is really a reflection of the research out there now, yeah. which just was never around. Yeah. We have all these beliefs kind of kicking around up here, all of this, this cultural conditioning from our childhood, from um, everywhere, basically, mm-hmm. that says things like, kids don't learn unless you get really stern. Right. Or um, the only way that, that they'll remember something you ask of them is to give them a consequence. <laughs> or um, the what way else? they're acting now needs to be changed. Otherwise, they're going to be doing it forever. Right. Right. It, otherwise, it's condoning to their type, behavior. Type some of these beliefs that you have and that you struggle with into the yeah. chat if you want. We would love to get into some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be familiar with some of our kind of rewritten beliefs here at Upbringing and just be like, so you say this, explain this to me. Mm-hmm. How is this so? 
Um, we'd love to just kind of get into those things mm -hmm. um, a little bit and explore them. Absolutely. It's nice seeing you all. Let us know what's going on with you. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to be here for another half an hour or so unpacking um, any challenging behaviors, big feelings that you're struggling to support in your uh, spirited and sensitive kids. And mm -hmm. we've got a, um, a DM here we wanted to start out with mm -hmm. until um, you guys share with us. Someone said, hi, Hannah and Kelty. I have a recurring situation I've been struggling with and I'm hoping we can discuss on tonight's live. Often when my six-year-old does not get what he wants, he name calls, mocks while sticking out his tongue and making a face, etc. He does this in an extremely disrespectful manner and I find it very triggering. Today he wanted to watch the trailer for a movie that my da his dad and I don't consider age appropriate. And when I told him no, he started mocking me while sticking his tongue out <clears throat> and copying what I was saying. <laughs> I'm only smiling because I can relate so much. <laughs> and then, under his breath, muttered that I suck balls. While I have to admit, the first couple of times that he's used that specific phrase over the last month or so, it was hard not to laugh. It's quickly becoming less funny. And the old white guy on my shoulder is screaming, That is unacceptable! In these moments that he's feeling frustrated and using choice words, I've found that I'm usually able to de-escalate the situation by using humor, sympathizing, etc., but I'm not sure how to encourage more respectful communication when he gets upset. Any tips for dealing with this disrespectful, quote unquote, behavior, trying to help him express his frustration more productively and managing my triggers around it. As always, thank you, ladies. I appreciate you very much. Thank you for writing in. This is mm -hmm. such a great one. I feel like this is what we're going to be talking about tonight in our Spirited Kids Club. We've been just opened June and now July's open small group coaching sessions where it's like this mm -hmm. in a group of eight people who are like, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. We're already getting a bunch of comments yeah. of people being like, this is my life. I can relate to <laughs> totally. this so much. Oh my gosh, this is for real, mm -hmm. right? And I think I want to give this parent um, some credit uh, and some some kudos here for realizing, okay, this is this is how they're expressing. This isn't who my six-year-old is. I've never said anyone sucks balls. This is clearly just his stress language that's coming out in the moment. Mm -hmm. Great, I can realize that by connecting, by using some humor, I can support him, de-escalate it, but there's still this nagging feeling in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. Am I condoning this language? How can I make sure that he's not telling his teacher they suck balls, not telling his boss they suck balls, not mm -hmm. telling his girlfriend she sucks balls someday? Like, I think our minds just go ahead yeah. and think, oh my God, like this cannot keep happening, yeah. right? Or how can I just radically accept where he is and what he's yeah. going through without giving him some skills he needs to learn how to um, kind of express more adaptively. Mm -hmm. And I love that this person shares that little white man, that old white dude on our shoulder that's saying, this is unacceptable. You know, we Shut talk about down. that being like this yeah. little voice of the patriarchy on our shoulder that says they can't say anything they want. They need to obey and conform right. in the hierarchy of the family because that is disrespectful. And that, like, this is the is cultural this, conditioning. Yeah. That's, is this sounding familiar? Because it goes through my head like a thousand times a day. Right. And I think that that's where we always start with mm -hmm. these things. And I love that this person is so aware of her cultural conditioning and realizing, wait a second, what comes to mind when my son disrespects me with language like this mm -hmm. isn't actually how I feel and what I cognitively understand about his development, what I understand about his temperament, right? What I what I understand about our relationship, but it's still there. And that's why we wanna talk about that. Someone's laughing and saying, little white man, yes, mm -hmm. exactly. So recognizing that voice 
It's not who we are necessarily that leads us to say that is unacceptable. You cannot say those words to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Change your words. Mm -hmm. You are being rude. All of those things, oftentimes it's I think we can attribute it to two places. It can be the little white man, white patriarchy on our shoulder that we've been conditioned. And it can also just be the child inside us, right? Mm -hmm. That's taken it a little personally, that's struggling, that has Mm -hmm. had experiences like that in their upbringing, where when we, right, Mm -hmm. expressed ourselves, felt angry, felt something was unjust, right? Mm -hmm. Felt frustrated. Our parents or other figures in our lives didn't support us very well. So we automatically, and more conditioning, have a negative experience with that. So it's this personal conditioning at play and it's this cultural conditioning at play. So when our kids are speaking in a way that feels disrespectful to us, it's not innately disrespectful. That's how it's landing. That's the impact because of this conditioning we've experienced. I wanna just back up a little bit for those of you who are new to, to this video on Instagram or the podcast yeah. episode in general, and just talk briefly about how we how we work with our kids' mean words, rude, harsh language, disrespectful tone and word choice and all of those things. And to point you also to our freedoms model on our website, which you can mm-hmm. download for free. Basically these realms of our kids' lives that through that patriarchal conditioning, we've been taught to over control in. And our kids' freedom to speak along with play, feel, know, contribute, express, um, all of these other freedoms that our kids have, the freedom to speak is probably the hardest one for people to to um, support, mm-hmm. us included. Freedom to feel and freedom to speak kind of overlap a little bit, right. but we basically grant our kids the right to say anything, anything at all, right? right? Even if it's absurd, even if it feels rude, <clears throat> even if it feels unnecessary to us, even if it triggers this fear response that they're going to become a bully mm-hmm. or a, an evil person right. or any we're, of these things. We're not their neighbor. We're not their friend. We're not their grandparent. We're their attachment figure. Mm-hmm. And our home where we're raising our kids, we believe should be a safe place for them to express themselves in developmentally appropriate ways. And over time, learn how to express themselves more adaptively and more respectfully through our modeling. Right. So right. that's, that's the, the core question that this person poses is, I'm trying to de-escalate. I'm trying not to take this language personally. Right. So how can I be helping them learn other language? I would say, great. Try not to say phrases like, that sucks balls, if you don't want your kids right. to be saying it. That's the number one way to model things, is to not say things you wish that they won't say. <clears throat> right. And then to be modeling and cognizant and conscientious and aware about the ways that we are modeling positive language positive expressions of anger, disappointment, any of those things. And, and another way that we can do that in our modeling is to be putting the words that we want to be hearing to our kids' expressions that, that sound a little bit more maladaptive. So translating. Right. So when we hear some bulls, you could say, you sound really disappointed. You, you wanted disappointed. it to, to go differently. Ugh, right? You feel frustrated at me. Mm-hmm. Because you wanted to watch that show, right. right? That That is giving our kids, it's like silver platter. Here you go, honey. Here are the words that you're going to learn right this moment to use. You're not, you might not say them next time. You might not say them tomorrow. You might not say them the next day. But we're practicing together and you're learning. Right. right. I think too, aside from focusing on the words, I think that's what can automatically go through our minds when our children are using really harsh, quote unquote, disrespectful mm-hmm. language to us is we're like, oh my God, what to do? Mm-hmm. I know I don't want to punish or, or shut down or shame uh, the words necessarily, but how are they going to learn these new ones? Yes, modeling, great. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it ultimately and truly is trust. 
is trusting in their development, is trusting in the fact that those words, you suck balls, mom, right, Mm -hmm. is coming. They're not just words that exist. They're Mm -hmm. coming from an an internal uh, experience and struggle. Mm -hmm. And when we support our kids treating us like hot garbage, when we allow them to say whatever they want, we're not teaching them they can say whatever they want to people. That's what we think we're teaching them very often. That's the Mm -hmm. worry. We're actually teaching our kids is that their impulses and the experiences they have as human beings on this planet is valuable and normal and necessary and that they should listen to their inner experience, right? Mm -hmm. So this is why we do not want to shut down and punish our kids' words that they say because um, oftentimes we can unwittingly be punishing and shutting down the inner impulse the inner wisdom and authority that spurred those words, the root cause of those hard words, right? So if we want our kids to eventually, the six-year-old this who of the parent who wrote in, if we want the six-year-old to grow up when they're 26 and let's say they're not getting paid as much as they should at work or some, some kind of situation is happening that feels unfair to them, right? They're never going to speak up and say anything if their words and unfairness that they're communicating now as a six-year-old was shut down, they will be very unlikely to speak up for that's themselves what, or other people. That's what I right? I, I love that phrase, shutting down, because mm-hmm. we just want it to stop. And we think this is our job when our kids are misbehaving, when they're saying these mean things, whatever the thing is that's triggering us so badly, mm-hmm. we just want to shut it down, make yeah. it stop. Isn't that our ultimate job as parents to just shut down the things we don't like and encourage and promote the things we do? That's what we've been conditioned to believe through behaviorist models. Of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. But I think that Hi, when, when we shut down our kids' words, we're shut down the learning. So mm-hmm. it basically stops the conversation on the superficial behavior or expression of a feeling as opposed to translating, connecting asking what they're needing, building that self-awareness, that tapping into that inner wisdom and inner authority that our kids have that actually creates learning, Mm -hmm. that actually builds awareness of what were they needing? Why are they so ticked off? What's going on here? Where's this coming from? The where's this coming from is the beginning of a beautiful relationship for them with themselves and with other people too, so that they can, if they're practiced in understanding where they're coming from and getting curious and non-judgmental about it because of us, mm-hmm. they're also going to be more likely to be curious and non-judgmental to understand where other people are coming from as mm-hmm. well. Right. Yeah. It's all modeling. Mm-hmm. And I love that this parent is thinking about this. Um, and it's something I know that we all go through unless you have a baby and you're like, my baby will never talk will to me that way. That's say never that. going to happen. They love me. They're Ever. so sweet. No, Mm -hmm. never, never, never. Some people typed in uh, some of those automatic beliefs that we've Mm -hmm. been handed down um, that we kind of were kind of coming into conflict with a little bit as we're 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 kind of exploring this more responsive, gentle, respectful, aware parenting journey. They said older people in my family describe kids as manipulative, and I hate that. Yeah, I love that belief Mm -hmm. that kids are manipulative, Mm -hmm. um, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. I love it and I yeah. hate it. But I think f- to wrap up this this final little moment um, about this child who is triggering their parent when they are saying that they suck balls and that mm-hmm. they're unfair, right now it's about having not be getting to watch a trailer that they mm-hmm. want to watch. We have to keep remembering that it represents that inner wisdom and authority, that spark that is so critical mm-hmm. to them feeling permission and feeling skill ultimately mm-hmm. in communicating that as an adult in the workplace with a partner, with a mm-hmm. friend, um, in a, a protest, 
in a courtroom with a teacher, right? We want to grant them permission by honoring that impulse and opening the conversation when our kids say really wild shit instead to us. Shutting it down. Instead of shutting it down. As hard as that is, right? It really so calls us into question and challenge all of these automatic beliefs that come to our minds, like that is unacceptable, right? Mm-hmm. right? Who said that? Why why do I think that's unacceptable? Because I'm taking this personally. What's my job again, right? Oh yeah, I'm their parent. My number one objective in these moments is to support their growth. See to their needs. Right? See to their needs. Mm -hmm. And if our kids treating us like garbage makes us understandably feel like crap, we can get our needs met with someone else, with a partner, with a therapist, with a friend, Mm -hmm. with a listening partner, a virtual partner. Yeah. And there are those times that that were... um, we're just put through the ringer and it's happening many times a day. We were doing a coaching session last night with a family whose son is just all the time saying, yeah. no, not you. No, this. Get out of my face. I don't want to see you. All yeah. of these things. And it's so hard because you, you just get worn down at the end of the day. A lot of people dealing yeah. with these harsh words and, chronic. and attitudes yeah. um, from their kids. And it's so hard. And sometimes... Yeah. If we can't lean in, if we can't say, what are you needing? Or I'm hearing that you're frustrated. Or get a little goofy. If we have, if we can't make that. Balls? A, make what? That, right. <laughs> balls? What are you talking you about? You want to suck balls? Uh, me? What? Who? I do? Me? Your mom? No, thanks. Oh, geez. Right. But if you don't have that wherewithal, if you're at the end of your rope, at the yeah. end of the line, at the end of the day, that's okay too. And I think if, if in those moments, if we can realize I don't think I can create a safe space around this feeling right now. I'm too raw. I'm too triggered. That's when we say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay. And okay. we just say, mm-hmm. I'm going to take mm-hmm. a break. Mm-hmm. I'll be back. Mm-hmm. Or Papa or Mama. Like, come <laughs> fucking deal with this because right. I've got nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? But so. less is more in mm-hmm. those in those times. I think so often we're like, well, my child said that to me, so I get to say whatever I want to them. Mm-hmm. This is not a tit-for-tat situation. Mm-hmm. They're five, six, seven-year-old brains. Mm-hmm. We have older brains. I'm not going to say how old, but they're mm-hmm. a lot older, Pretty right? Old. Yeah. So someone That's else tricky. wrote in. They said, I have two daughters that. that are five and six years old. 17 months apart, and they've been bickering and arguing nonstop, usually in elevated voices, and it triggers my anxiety. How do I help them? Oh, yes. I think that the elevated voices is a key element to this, and that mm-hmm. is something that I really struggle with. I screamed for Kelty earlier today to come <laughs> I was help just me thinking about that. Because her daughter was using this high-pitched voice in an argument with my daughter that triggered me so hard. I literally went into panic mode. Mm-hmm. And it was like an okay thing, but it was the pitch of the voice. I'm so sound sensitive, mm-hmm. and I think you may be as well. Uh, but I think there's also that chronic nature when mm-hmm. our kids are just at each other over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're prisoner. We're being held prisoner to these, these um, you know, confrontation interludes. You know? yeah. You're just like, oh my gosh, make it stop, please. Mm-hmm. This is like noise pollution. This is mm-hmm. raising my anxiety. All of that is so understandable. So you shouldn't feel shame for being like, shut this shit down. This is really hard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think... In those moments, we talk about supporting our kids in the moment, and we talk about supporting ourselves, which yeah. needs to come first. So if we're able to take a personal time out, take a couple deep breaths, run through our mantras about sibling conflict, which you can download in our um, our sibling conflict guides, such as, this isn't an emergency. Usually it's not, right? Sometimes it is, but usually it's not. My job is sensitive support staff. I want to make things better, not worse. My kids are doing the best they can with the tools that they have. These are the mantras that that help us gear up going into a fight so that we don't storm in saying, what the fuck? Or why? 
away. Or, or stop. What's wrong with right. you? Or stop, stop, stop. No, no, no. That our goal is not um, harmony. It's connection mm-hmm. with our kids, right? Mm-hmm. I think so often we think, gosh, why do they keep railing on each other? And there's so many reasons why a five and six-year-old would just continue to fight over and over. We could talk about this the rest of our time, sure. right? But I think just really quickly, I think so often it's because it's um, it's really a... Uh, Oh, it's so weird. Like a pattern? It's, no, what? it's it's uh, convenient, right? Oh, yeah. They when neither of our kids feels really well. It's kind of like when the way we are maybe with a partner or a really close friend or a sibling ourselves. Mm-hmm. When we're not feeling so good inside, there's this person right here that we know loves us unconditionally, mm-hmm. who lives in this safe place of a home with us that we're going to take that stress out on. We're going to poke, 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 poke. Mm-hmm. Basically, a kid's way of saying, I'm uncomfortable and I don't know how to be aware of it. I don't know how to communicate it. And I don't know how to calm myself down. Mm -hmm. They're five and six years old. They don't have those skills yet. So all they can really do is just continue to to, uh, notify one another back and forth that they feel like shit. Right. And so Mm -hmm. remembering and coming to the table being like, oh, they're struggling with each other. They're Mm -hmm. not feeling good. And they really can't help each other a lot right now. That's a helpful mind frame to come to the table with. Mm -hmm. I think also... Uh, our kids are practicing. When our kids argue with one another, damn, it feels so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It feels really detrimental to their relationship. But what they're doing is they're working through understanding their needs, the other person's needs. They're working through phrasing. They're working through um, tactical maneuvering and conflict resolution in the way that they can based on the mm-hmm. skills they currently have. It's practice. It doesn't sound like a courtroom drama yet mm-hmm. because they don't have the skills yet. But mm-hmm. a five and six-year-old who are fighting and bickering constantly, there's a reason for it. They're mm-hmm. practicing something. Mm-hmm. So I think oftentimes thinking of it in those two ways that they're struggling emotionally mm-hmm. and taking it out on each other because it's a safe place mm-hmm. and with a safe person. And they're practicing and learning about how to express themselves, how to use power, how to um, just kind of experiment with another person in a safe place. And that changes the whole dynamic of what a a sibling bickering can be rather than just a pain in the butt, unnecessary, ruining my day, a sign of their future relationship, Mm -hmm. triggering. Wow, this opens up the landscape to have a little bit more value and meaning as tricky as it is to be experiencing ourselves as their parents, right? I love that. And I think so often with siblings, we talk about our role. What is our role in these moments, whether it's a two-year-old and a little baby, he's bopping the baby, right? Or a five and six-year-old in this case, or a five-year-old and a nine-year-old fighting, or two teenagers fighting. What's our job? Mm -hmm. You know, talk about that cultural conditioning we've all undergone is to step up to that parental responsibility. Get in between them. Which feels like policeman, judge, jury, hall monitor, all of these things that feel like crap, but it feels like the responsible parent thing to do is to get in there and control. Fix it this way. You give her that. Why would you do this? Good, bad, right, wrong, all those things. And we don't have to do any of that mm-hmm. stuff, right? We can just walk in as neutral, sensitive support staff. And I'm, a, I'm like, just walk in. It's so easy. It's not so easy. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice. Especially when the sounds are And really if you're triggering. lucky, you have challenging kids who can give you that practice. Mm-hmm. And the times you blow it, you're like, oh, shit. Well, I'm going to get to practice again in, what, five minutes? <clears throat> like 16 minutes is probably going to come around again. Mm-hmm. To walk in there... Project love, project calm, project positive association with conflict, mm-hmm. right? I think right. so much about it is remembering and realizing, uh, if it helps us at all, to say, I don't have to guide their relationship mm-hmm. or direct it. I can just support it. 
-hmm. I don't have to make them say or do or be anything. They are who they are together. It's their fucking relationship ultimately. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I can do, getting in the middle of it just creates more dissonance, more disconnect. It polarizes them in an interesting way. It brings in a third party into our drama triangle of victim, aggressor, and rescuer. Mm -hmm. That is not helpful to be perpetuating this triangle mentality. So what we want to say is, is I respect your relationship. You're doing this thing. Here I am on the sidelines where I belong as your parent. How can I support? I see you struggling. What are you guys needing? Right. And if we can't help in those moments we're triggered, right? Mm -hmm. Or if they're just like ignoring us, Mm -hmm. leave me alone, mom. Then that's when we take care of ourselves next, Mm -hmm. right? And we say, I'm needing a little space here. I'll be in the other room if you need me. Gosh, you guys both are really struggling with this or you both have really strong opinions about this dish or this food or whatever it is. I'm over here if you need any support. Mm -hmm. And remember that so much of our power as parents is projecting a sense of security and calm and safety for our kids to be experimenting and learning. That's how kids actually learn isn't being told how to treat one another. It's by treating one another like garbage over and over again Mm -hmm. and starting to change it up and seeing how it feels on themselves, seeing how the impact on another person, Mm -hmm. that's how learning actually happens. We we can't save our kids from those things, Mm -hmm. right? We actually want to allow them and support them in going through it in a safe way. Yeah. So much of this work that we're doing and so much of what we talk about in these episodes is shattering these totally unrealistic expectations for ourselves for our kid, for our siblings and their relationship, just getting real. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen. Our kids are going to challenge us. Our kids are going to hurt each other. Our kids are going to have big feelings. Our kids are going to make huge messes. Our kids are going to resist. We weren't told any of this, by the way. And it's all okay. And it's all more than okay. It's all necessary. Mm -hmm. So if we can just have, like, take that expectation for perfection, for harmony, for happy smiley faces and gentle hands all the time off the table. That's where the real work begins, yeah. right? Because it's a block. It becomes um, a limitation. Yeah, or a straitjacket. We can't yeah. get anything done if we think this shouldn't be happening, right? Right? This should be happening. It's okay. It should be because it is. <laughs> so it really is working. This is like get with the program with, with our reality. Our kids are bringing us into the moment, bringing us into consciousness, bringing us into reality, tearing us away, kicking and screaming from our expectations and our little like belief systems that protect us, but really undermine us in a lot of ways too. Absolutely. Someone said, well, you guys follow up the spirited theme talks with one for sensitive kiddos. And I think sensitive kiddos flow right in here with the spirited ones. There's an incredible amount of overlap between a quote unquote spirited kid and a sensitive kid. We use the terms very interchangeably. I think oftentimes kids are spirited because they're sensitive. Mm -hmm. Kids are sensitive because they're spirited. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, you know, there's no, like, it's not a diagnosis. It's not a judgment. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, a, how would you describe it? I think we, we use it as kind of like, um, a loose label to just appreciate and embrace our kids for who they are. And we try to make it a positive thing. Other people say strong-willed, stubborn, mm-hmm. infuriating, challenging kids. Right. You know, and I think when we say spirited, I think it always makes me think, okay, let's see to the spirit. Okay, they're sensitive. Let's see to that <clears throat> sensitivity because we want to be nurturing that. We want to be supporting We're reclaiming that. the spirit mm-hmm. and the sensitivity that is seen as pathological in mm-hmm. our in our society mm-hmm. so very often toward women, toward mm-hmm. other people, right? Toward children, very much so, right? Yeah. And we're saying we're reclaiming that and saying spiritedness is beautiful and essential 
as a human being. Sensitivity is beautiful and essential as a human being. It begins automatically for children and we want to be preserving it and nurturing it as long as we possibly can before they're yeah. exposed to the elements, so to speak. Yeah. Right? And for those of you here who are like, oh, I don't know. I can't really identify. I don't. My kid has spirited moments. My kid seems to have very sensitive moments. I just, which camp are they in? I forget it. spirited or sensitive. Right. Forget the camps. Forget the labels and just continue to try to meet your child where they are with what they're showing you. Try to show up in a way that connects to whoever they are and whatever they're bringing you in the moment. That's our ultimate goal. Well, and I think that every single child is spirited and sensitive Mm -hmm. in that they feel things and that Mm -hmm. makes them sensitive. They're Mm -hmm. sensitive beings. So they experience the world and then they express that. Mm -hmm. And that's the spiritedness. One is kind of taking it in and the other is expressing Mm -hmm. it out. And that's what we want to be encouraging. That's how to be human is to experience something authentically and then to express that authentically. Right. And it, it calls us We don't in, want to be dulling that or, exactly. or minimizing it. I was going to say, it calls us in to consider our own upbringings, not mm-hmm. in a like, how did my mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad or grandma or whoever it is fuck me up? In what ways have I been, you know, um, you know, had a disservice mm-hmm. in my childhood, but really just thinking, you know, in what ways did I, was I maybe guided to repress my feelings? Have I gotten more angry at a certain point in my life? You know, one of our friends was commenting recently, I feel like at a certain point through college, all of a sudden I started crying. The floodgates came open, you know, and thinking back, why didn't I ever cry before college? Why would that be? You know, this um, dealing with our kids' strong feelings, their sensitivities, their challenging behaviors can invite us into thinking about and looking into our own childhoods, thinking about our anger. How was that handled? What moments do I remember being angry? Thinking about our sensitivities. Was I sensitive to sounds, to touch, to textures, to tastes, to loud noises or bright lights? How was that supported by people in my life? I think that our kids' intense sensitivity and spiritedness really can trigger us in the hardest and the best sense of the the term Mm -hmm. to re-examine and reclaim our own sensitivities and our Mm -hmm. own spiritedness, Mm -hmm. to see them as beautifully human, to see them as essential to to our integration, to Mm -hmm. our joy and fulfillment in life, right? We can't have not have that and give that to our kids, you know? We can't have that ourselves and not give that to our kids. We're linked in this really interesting, beautiful way. Yeah, their growth and our awareness of their growth informs yeah. our own, and then our, ours informs mm-hmm. theirs, and it's just this, this yeah. beautiful, terrifying cycle, really. <laughs> I feel like we're so meta in this uh, Q&A chat today. We've mm-hmm. only got about 10 minutes left, but I think we should do a quick rapid fire mm. uh, to, to move through these questions with everybody. And for those Let's of you who um, have questions remaining at the end or final thoughts or, mm-hmm. or just need to unpack a lot, um, get in touch with us for one-on-one coaching or these new small group sessions for spirited and sensitive kids that we're running in here in June and in July. So someone said, our two-year-old returned to daycare last week after a year away, and we're experiencing some very challenging behaviors in the evening tantrums, door slamming, hitting. It is Mm -hmm. so rough right now. Yeah. I hear that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Absolutely. Someone else feels that that too. The transitions that we go through rejoining society or having changes in our lives. And and we just have a different way of expressing that stress. And a Mm two-year-old having big resistance and big meltdowns is absolutely developmentally healthy. It's It's so healthy. healthy. So we would recommend a few things really quick. One, 
Try to take things off their plate. Try to take some demands off their plate through this transitional time. Keep it easy going. Keep it easy going, right? Give them options. Not too many options. Figure out what your child needs. Mm -hmm. Immediately when they get home, try to fill their cup, connect with them, Mm -hmm. right? Let them express that stress. They've been holding it in all day, Mm -hmm. right? Code switching, self-regulating Holding it together for their teacher. Right? And they let it out. That's what we do. That's why people go go work out after they get off work or Mm -hmm. why they go drink when they get off work Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh my God, processing the day I just had. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? That's what our two-year-olds are doing. Our four-year-olds, our Mm -hmm. eight-year-olds, our 10-year-olds. And in terms of processing, we would recommend working on um, creating sort of a sensory diet. What's a way that when you're two-year-old comes home, you can be getting some dips, dipping them, um, moving their bodies, get them upside down, get them rolling, get some pressure on them, help them integrate that nervous system, help them purge that stress with giggles and flips and tumbles and pressure. Because otherwise it comes out in the meltdowns and the anger, which is okay too. Mm -hmm. But all of that is just saying there's stress in my body. Our kids aren't able to be like, mom, so I'm two. And uh, Mm -hmm. the day I had it at school, I mean, oh my gosh, I mean, they were weird with this diaper change thing it's and just so different one little than kid home. just literally went like this in my face mm-hmm. and they read the story but they didn't read it like you and did. the crackers are gross and, and i gross. miss you right and yeah. i miss you so i'm gonna punch you in the face and slam doors and scream yeah. at you right now and so that's the last thing we'd recommend for yeah. this one too is just circle back with whether it's a two-year-old or a 15 year old in the moment how's school right. going and they're doing their two-year-old thing being like i don't know ah just say it's probably different huh it's hard it's hard it's doing something new it's new i miss you during the day do you yeah. miss me basically saying all of the things that terrify us that our instinct says don't bring that up don't, acknowledge don't say that. that it makes it real no right. tell them they love school tell them how great they, it is they probably had such a fun day right Mm-hmm. No, just no. call out That's all of those fears, right? It doesn't help at all. Just put it all yeah. out on the table. Give them some squeezes and snuggles with it. Yeah. Right? That's what we all need and at just, the end of the day. Exactly. Just keep showing up in those moments. Keep them safe, right? Put mm-hmm. earplugs in a little bit if you need that support. Mm-hmm. Tap out with a partner or a friend if you can. Mm-hmm. Leave the room if you have to for a moment. Just nod, right? Two-year-olds, mm-hmm. any child who's flipping their lid at that point, it's too late to reason, to mm-hmm. give information, to even give alternatives. Just create security, ride it out, be close to them, low, close, whatever they need. Mm -hmm. Our big feelings guide helps a lot with that. Next question. How do we get a child to do something without consequences? Threats? Yeah. Yeah. Or threats. Or threats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, We use our resist approach, which you can download on our website. So Mm -hmm. when our kids resist us, we work on our beliefs, right? We think about our kids' resistance being a beautiful, wonderful thing that they're advocating for what they want, right? right? What they need, what, no matter how it <clears throat> comes out. And when we want our kids to work with us, that calls us in to work with them. So we use our resist approach, which is basically a, like a loose six-step model right. for a conversation through conflict. When we're like, this needs to get done, and our kid's like, no, I won't do that, We say, okay, you're needing this. I'm needing this. We validate their feelings. Mm -hmm. We innovate. We bring up ideas for working with them. We basically take that parent card, you know, that one where we're like, but here's the parent card. Just do what I say Mm -hmm. through consequences, threats, time I should be able to get you to do whatever I want. Family's a hierarchy, right? Right. Where it's me and then it's you. So you do what I say. 
You don't give me feedback. I just give you feedback. You give me respect going up the food chain. Right. And then what? Why are you uh, resisting this? Yeah. So we're, we're chucking all of that. Right. Right. And we're saying we're going to work with. We're going to be side by side. We're going to try to be allies. We're going to try to collaborate. The idea is, is the goal with our kids and our beautifully resistant kids isn't to get them to do something. Mm-hmm. That is not our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is to to help them want to do something, mm-hmm. right? It's to help our kids develop a sense of agency and awareness mm-hmm. and responsibility and collaboration and trust and respect, mm-hmm. right? Not just respect for us, but self-respect, yeah. right? We talked earlier. And that's about that process. And the, the way we go about it, going through those things is what our kids learn. So I think this, this parent knows that if we use consequences and threats to get our kids to do things, not only might that make them more resistant or not love us and struggle to or give us consequences and threats, but that will allow that, that will teach them essentially to use consequences and threats to get their way. So we don't want to get our way with our kids using measures of control that we don't want them to learn and use mm-hmm. back on us and other people, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a long game. It's a mm-hmm. it's a practice right? Based in progress over perfection. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, it's throwing away that whole idea of a quick fix, immediate compliance model that we were all raised in, mm-hmm. right? That we think we have to do. And it's saying, oh my God, I have to have a conversation with this human being. I have to respect them on Ooh. a level that I was never respected as a yeah. child or even as an adult come to think of I it. I have to put times. in a little bit of effort. If I want my child to be empathetic, be patient, be a problem solver, have resilience, I have to be showing those things to them in these moments of conflict for them to actually learn them. Right. And they do learn them. That Mm -hmm. is the beauty. Right. Yeah. Someone said, how can I best support my introverted three-year-old as we approach her first drop-off experience without me at day camp starting soon? She Mm -hmm. says she's a little nervous. Oh, that is so great. She says she's feeling nervous. Right? That's beautiful that she's identifying her anxiety mm-hmm. and that you're asking and opening opening up that thing. Like you said, Kelty, oftentimes we're just like, la, 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 everything's fine. You're going to love summer camp, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be mm-hmm. so great. You're going to do so great. Right, right, right. Because we're stressed. We have anxiety about our kids doing well. So we kick we, into promotional speak mode. Right. We're in cheerleader mode. And we have to keep remembering that our anxiety is not our primary goal. It's supporting our kids' anxiety in those moments. Right? It's separating us from them in a really healthy way and saying, how can I show up for my kid? And I think that, that is, you're doing exactly what your three-year-old needs to feel prepared as best as she can for this day camp situation. Mm-hmm. It's showing security and validating all the feelings she has around it. It's storytelling. It's using symbolic play. So her little dolls or critters mm-hmm. or Legos or, or you know, monster trucks mm-hmm. or whatever it is she plays with talking that out with her it can be a direct mm-hmm. convo it can be an indirect convo with it toys. could be looking at the the website and being like are there any pictures from the camp let's mm-hmm. look and asking questions <clears throat> what do you think you'll do by the water mm-hmm. what do you think you guys will do for craft right oftentimes we're like oh my gosh i'm jacking my kids secure insecurity up and anxiety up by talking about all this stuff mm-hmm. but you're actually helping them preemptively move through the anxiety that otherwise would literally be backlogged and front loaded mm-hmm. to the first day of, of pickup or drop off or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. And that's when those bombs can kind of go off because no preparation and anxiety has gotten kind of off gas before yeah. then. Yeah. And, and then it can be so scary to go back to it. Yeah. So in a lot of ways we want to say, how can this anxiety leak out as many times as possible mm-hmm. before we actually get to this new camp situation? Yeah. 
And then we process yeah, after. I feel like it's that whole early time when we usually want to push it into the rug and not talk about the anxieties yeah. or the worries or what it could be or couldn't be, mm-hmm. right? And we, instead, we want to just lean in, just bring it on. Mm-hmm. You're nervous about it. Lay oh, it on me, baby. Okay. It's, yeah, I feel nervous about new things too sometimes. What mm-hmm. are you nervous about? And then just shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. See what happens. Maybe they're like, I don't know, nothing. And you're like, okay. They'd be like, well, I'm always here to talk about it. I get nervous about stuff too, especially when it's new, right? And then at drop-off, if there's an issue with dropping your kid off at school or at summer camp or at grandma's or you're going through a transition or they're just experiencing a transition with something else, all of a sudden having some separation anxiety, that's okay, okay. right? In that moment, we would usually just try to exude love, calm confidence, security, Say, you don't want me to go. It's hard. You want to stay. It's so hard. I know. I love you and I'll see you soon. Not, but you gotta. They know that already. I love you and I'll see you soon. I hope you have a good time. I'll be thinking about you. Mm -hmm. And then we pass them off. Or we pull them off. Pry them off of us. We do whatever we need to do. And then we talk about it later. Another I'm so time. happy to see you. Right. And so glad you're home. I'm snuggling you. and all the things and how was camp? And tell me the mm. what was the hardest thing about camp? That's usually a question that we wouldn't ask, right? Right. Or I remember when we, we were leaving at the beginning, you didn't want me to go. It's a little tricky. That's something else we wouldn't usually mention. We're gonna mention it. We're gonna bring it up. We're gonna explore it a little bit. We're gonna sit in it. We're gonna just sit in the discomfort for a couple minutes to normalize it. <sighs> to take some security around it. Right. And that's going to help ease that transition for the next day. That you have to do it all over again, Groundhog Day style, going to camp. Uh, We always say our voice becomes our kid's inner voice. Mm -hmm. And in these moments, supporting and creating security around these tricky situations with our kids, whether they're being um, having anxiety about something new at school, being dropped off or with another person or a new experience, Mm -hmm. we're helping them get comfortable in the discomfort of life which is going to be going on forever. We don't want to avoid it. We don't want to gaslight it or reject it or minimize it. We want our kids to grow up and say, oh, I'm feeling a little something here. This is new. What's going on? This is tricky. And they don't gaslight themselves, fix themselves. I'm fine though. I'm fine. I'm fine. Or shame themselves. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Come on. It's no big deal. Come on. Right? Mm -hmm. That's not healthy for their body. That's not healthy for their psyche or their Mm -hmm. relationships. We want them to feel comfortable feeling life. That is what creates resilience, is helping see our kids through the feelings all mm-hmm. the way through to the end. Yeah, but right. it's not even seeing through that feels so active. It's mm. really just holding si- space, holding space and yeah. sitting in the holding discomfort. Holding space is so cheesy. That is, but. No, but that is seeing them yeah. through. Just sitting and being in it mm-hmm. is often the most that we can do. And it really calls into to identify the power we have as their attachment figures that mm-hmm. we don't have to do as much as we just have to be mm-hmm. with them. Right, We don't have to do a bunch of things and convince and fix and change and do mm-hmm. all of this. What our kids are really needing in this moment, in these tricky situations, is what we need when we're struggling. We just mm-hmm. need someone to be with us. We just need to feel safer. Mm-hmm. We just need to feel like it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's not through words or through changing any logistical things necessarily. It's just through our, our, our countenance, mm-hmm. through our vibe, through our faces and our tone of voice. Mm-hmm. And yes. through our validation and acknowledgement, right. it, trying to exude that word yes, yes. instead of no, 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 right. Yeah. right. Someone says, when my kids now use make space for me, please, instead of shooting or hitting, shooing or hitting each other. Mm. Wow, that's great. They started saying that when they heard me saying it. I need space here, kids. 
That's fantastic. The power of modeling, right? That's beautiful. I think we're going to wrap this up, everybody. Yes, speak into my soul. Someone said, someone else said, you always speak right out of your life or your life. That's Mm -hmm. great. Glad we have that in common. I wish we had more time for Mm -hmm. a three-year-old who doesn't want to change when he has an accident and having to physically move him and just do it. Don't want to convey that message. We totally get it. And so just doing it as lovingly as possible, giving them as much agency as you can. As much time. As much time to process and then processing it later and talking about it and creating mm-hmm. safety and awareness around it mm-hmm. over and over again. And then it'll be okay. And just trying right. to be neutral. Yeah. Trying not to be kind of, oh, we got to do this. Or, oh my God, I know, but we have to. Just being mm-hmm. like, I know. We're going to know. Oh, it's okay, so I know. hard. We gotta and without a lot this. of information, just security. And later you can plant those seeds again and mm-hmm. of those little reminders. Another three-year-old started wetting their pants on purpose with, because there's a new sibling. Mm-hmm. Tips to help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that same neutrality yeah. is key uh, when we bring home another baby and everything goes haywire with yeah. our older kids. We um, just did a live on mm-hmm. uh, Modern Mom Probs. It's on. It's in our stories, right? Yeah. Links to it. But Modern Mom Probs is great. And we just talked about bringing a sibling home, a new sibling, and how to support those older kids, right? Who have those quote-unquote regressions, who mm-hmm. have the big feelings, who are doing things intentionally, it right. feels like when it really is ultimately stress behavior and stress language, they can't say, help me. I'm struggling. This new baby's ruining my life. I love mm-hmm. you, mom and dad. And I miss you and things are different and I don't know how to cope right now. I'm feeling out of control and I'm looking for things to yeah. help me feel in control. Right. One thing I know I can do is to pee in my pants because that's going to get some connection. That's going to get some energy from you. That's yeah. going to get some um, feels productive for some reason. For right? some reason, yeah, so I think totally. we would just recommend in those reasons to in those instances to be cool, yeah. just be neutral. Yeah. Oh, I see you peed. Are you ready to to go change? Should we go sit on the on the toilet for a minute? Come on, let's right. go. And right. if you've uh, you know kind of unwittingly created a narrative that you feel like a little bit claustrophobic by, or yeah. that you feel like has has created a vicious cycle of sorts. You can always change the script. Mm-hmm. You can tell your three-year-old. I know I used to say, what? Why are you doing this? Or I used to say, you're a big girl. You need to go to the potty. And I used right. to say these things. And you know what? You know your body best. Right. And when you are ready to go, whether it's on the toilet or the other toilet or that other mm-hmm. toilet or out back or right here on the rug, you will know and you will do it. And I'm going to be here to support you. And I might have to create some loving limits around mm-hmm. where you can be if those things happen mm-hmm. or where this and that. But it's all no pressure, very loving, right? Unconditional. That's going to help create that sense of security without getting in the middle of our kids in a bodily process and yeah. creating that vicious cycle. Yeah, and it's going to be de-escalating the behavior exactly. for sure. Yeah. We love you all so much. You're doing an amazing job. This is hard mm-hmm. shit. We just mm-hmm. covered a lot of stuff that yeah. is not unique to one family or one individual in a general sense of the word. It is it is impacting so many of us. We're all in this together. Yeah. We're all growing up through through these 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 amazing and infuriating and inspiring little people that are in our lives, right? Yeah, someone said, I'm from India and it's interesting to see your live. It provides a lot of cultural diversity. Mm. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. And I think that hopefully that everyone can glean some some diversity and also some camaraderie from these sessions, realizing <clears throat> that we're all struggling in, in similar ways, but in different ways too. Yeah. And we're all approaching these things in similar ways and in different ways bringing too. Bringing our different childhoods, bringing our different belief systems, bringing our our different partners and Mm -hmm. families and so much uh, to work with. There's no one right way to go about this. This is just the process that we're all in together, Mm -hmm. supporting each other, 
right? Hopefully getting a couple chuckles in, right? Mm -hmm. Just feeling and knowing that we're not alone has really helped us so much. It's helping our small group coaching. It helps here on these lives and in our Mm -hmm. community here on Instagram and on the podcast. We're so grateful for you all. Yeah, and if you're here, Mm -hmm. you're doing the work, right? If if you're listening to this, you're considering your approach in parenting. You're considering your beliefs and where they came from. You're considering the impact of your actions on your child. You know, which is basically everything we're learning is the opposite of what we were raised to believe. And that's the work. And we talk also about how this isn't a stairwell. I do one step up, I'm doing so well. And then I yelled so five steps back or I spanked my kid or I slammed a door or I shamed them and made them feel so bad about themselves. There's no backwards, right? We're all in this river of progress. We're moving forward no matter what, right? right? Just like we want to be giving ourselves, our kids the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. just like we want to be seeking to understand and give grace to them, we have to do that to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Our podcast is called Upbringing also, just like we are here on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. And our website is upbringing.co where you can learn more about us, everybody. All right, we're yeah. signing off. We got to head to that group coaching. Um, you're all doing amazing. We love you. We will see you next week. See you soon. Yeah.